that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This far in God's word. congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In a world that constantly clamors for our undivided attention, we all need encouragement. There are the demands and the pressures at work, the responsibilities of the family and in the church. There's the endless amount of paperwork and inventories to be accounted for many phone calls and emails to be answered, and the long and hard hours of physical labor. And then there's the constant need to run errands, to pick up groceries, to clean the house, to discipline the kids, to mow the lawn. And with all these challenges, we all need encouragement, because it can easily happen that we become overwhelmed and discouraged busyness of life can easily get us, so much so that it can have our undivided attention even to the point where God is inadvertently squeezed out of our busy lives. And knowing about the many temptations that believers face in this world day in and day out, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, prays to God And he asked God to care for them so that his name may continue to be praised and glorified among them. So amidst the busyness of our lives, let us hear the good news of the gospel this morning and so be encouraged to praise and glorify God as well. We'll do so with the following theme this morning. Paul prays that God may receive praise and glory in the lives of believers. First, we'll see that he prays that their love may abound more and more, knowledge and depth of insight. And then he prays that they may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. At the time of writing the epistle to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul is in prison. Perhaps in Rome or or perhaps even in Korea, we're not really sure. But even though he was in prison, this is perhaps the most uplifting of all his epistles, and for good reason. The Philippians had partnered with Paul in the gospel, both in the past and in the present. In the past, they were the only church who had provided financial support for Paul, and they had done so again and again. And now also in the present, the Philippians sent Epaphroditus to give Paul gifts in prison. And so at the outset of his letter, the Apostle Paul, after giving his formal greetings, immediately encourages the Philippian believers, telling them that he gives thanks to God for them and that he prays for them because they have partnered 
them in the gospel, Paul is confident that God will continue to work with them until the day of Christ Jesus, until the day Christ returns. In Philippians 1, verse 7 to 8, Paul continues to speak with remarkable warmth and affection to the Philippian believers. He tells them that it is right for him to be so confident that God will continue to work in them. After all, regardless of whether Paul is in prison or he continues affecting and confirming the gospel, the Philippians are right with him, and they are sharing in God's grace together with him. such a glowing attestation of their faith in Philippians 6, we might think that this church has it all together. We are united as the body of Christ. They have a deep love for each other and they have a deep responsibility for supporting mission and they do so willingly. They offer their gifts to the spread of the gospel. All of this church in Philippi is a thriving congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Spirit has clearly been working among them. And despite all this, or, or perhaps because of all this, Paul now in our text this morning encourages them even more. For, not only, for he not only tells them that he prays for them, in our text he now tells them what he prays for. Namely, that God will be glorified as they continue to live in devotion and service to him. And in so doing, Paul petitions the Lord with two requests. First, he asks that the Philippians believers love and abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And then he asks that they may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. that their love may abound more and more. He is praying that the believers will not become disheartened in showing their love towards each other. For after at least 15 years of ministry, the Apostle Paul knows that the love of people for both God and for their neighbor can grow cold. Recall, for example, the divisions in the Corinthian church that Paul had to deal with. Their inability to expel these immoral brothers. The losses that they had as a church. Or think of the harsh words he had for the Galatians at one time. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Indeed, Paul knows all too well that the love of many can grow cold, even within the church. And because he does not want to see the Philippians' love grow cold, Paul prays. He prays always to his gracious God and asks him to ensure that the Philippians' love will continue to abound more and more. More specifically, Paul prays that their love will abound more and more. Excuse me. That Paul prays that their love will abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. This is a reference to knowing God. And such knowledge for Paul is not simply a matter of the mind, but it's also a matter of the heart. It is an intimate and a personal awareness of God and what he has done for us 
Christ, to know God, and to fear Him, and to obey Him. A depth of insight is closely connected with with the knowledge of God. In fact, in Scripture, the two are synonymous. Think, for example, of Proverbs 1, verse 7, where it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The word for knowledge there is the exact same word used in our text for depth of insight. Depth of insight, then, is really an extension of knowledge. Paul uses them together, knowledge and depth of insight, in order to show the importance of knowing God, knowing Him, and fearing Him, and serving Him. Their love, for their love to increase in knowledge and depth of insight, then, it means that they must spend time learning about the ways of their God, meditating on His promises, seeking Him in prayer, and especially through His Word. For it is in God's word that we learn of the gracious promises that he has given to us. The promise to crush the head of the serpent. We learn in scripture how he remained faithful to his promise to Abraham. The mercy he had in delivering his people from the exile of Egypt. Most importantly of all, we learn of God's great love for us in sending his only son. Yes, God so loved the world that he sent his only son whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And when we come to know God, we know the love that God has shown for us in an intimate and in a personal way. Our love for him abounds more and more. And with an ever-increasing awareness of his great love for us, we also cannot help but share that love with others. As the Philippians did by giving generously of their financial support to the cause of the gospel. And yet though their love was abounding, Paul still prays for them. He still prays that their love will abound more and more. For there is always room for love to abound. Our love is not like a gas tank, which once is full can no longer fill. Fill. There is always room to grow in love, to take pleasure in the ways of your God, to find joy in his word and to delight in his commandments, to be a light to the nations and to share his grace and joy. Indeed, there is never too much love. such an abundance of love that when we compare it to ourselves it's easy to become discouraged our love doesn't always abound we don't always know as much as we should about God's word and his promises we don't always have the depth of insight that Paul is talking about but Paul's prayer is not meant to discourage us encourage us to grow in this love and such love does not come overnight none of us know God's word from the day of our birth none of us have enough enough depth of insight none of us are perfect yet we rely on the work of the of the Holy Spirit we rely on the work 
not end in the Apostle Paul's epistles. This love that is to abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight serves a purpose. And this purpose is found at the end of verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best. The type of discernment Paul is talking about here is referring to discernment in matters of faith. John uses the same word in 1 John 4, where he tells the believers to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. In other words, Paul prays that they will be able to test their words, their deeds, and their actions, and to see if they are in line with the truth of the gospel. And Paul prays in this way precisely because he knows how hard it is for the Philippians to remain faithful to their God. For you see, the people in Philippi were very patristic, which means that they were worshiping a host of other gods. There was a variety of gods. They even had special special temples to the Egyptian gods. And they had secret mystery cults where people could indulge in immoral activity. Without discernment, then, the believers could easily be swayed and turned from the truth and so become unsure about what is true and what is false. While we may no longer be tempted by Egyptian gods or a secret mystery cult, there are still many gods today that clamor for our attention, aren't there? We would do well to ask ourselves if we are really serving the Lord our God or serving the gods of this world. iPads, iPhones, Blackberries, Facebook, websites, movies, music, and many other forms of technology seek our undivided attention. And they can easily become gods for us. If we are not careful, technology will eventually enslave us. We will be unable to discern what is true and what is false. And when we are always connected to the world, it's that much harder to remain connected to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But it is not just entertainment that can do this. So can our jobs and our hobbies, our recreational activities, and yes, even our families. They can all become gods for us, demanding all our energy and all our resources so that we have little time for God. Indeed, we all need discernment in order to test the spirits of our, of our times. Discernment, though, that is rooted in a deep love for the one true God and in line with Scripture. And when we are firmly and intimately grounded in the truth of Scripture, then, and when our knowledge is deep, the Spirit also provides us with the ability to discern what is best in this or in that particular situation. The Spirit works in us to ensure that, that we do not become enslaved to the gods of this world. To be sure, this doesn't mean that every decision we make is easy. At times, we will be unsure. At times, we will fall short. At times, we will not discern properly. And yet, we have comfort knowing that Christ has taken this upon himself, and it is on his work as our high priest that we have hope. 
that we have comfort because he is the one we can trust should we fail to return from him. And all this, all this discernment that we learn through the power of the Holy Spirit and as we trust in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, all of this brings praise and glory to our God. And that is what it is really all about. Because when we are showing ourselves to be his children, then we are honoring and glorifying his name. Now the second petition, that begins in the middle of verse 10. And it is marked by the word and. And may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. That is, the, the second half of verse 10 is not an extension of the first petition, but it marks the beginning of the next one. The next reason why Paul prays for the Philippian believers. And here Paul asks God that the Philippians will remain pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Pure in the sense of having no hidden motives or false pretenses in how we treat each other. Pure in the sense of being sincere, being honest. Blameless in the sense of having a clear conscience. In short, Paul is praying for the moral purity of the believers. And Paul prays that this is not only true in the present, that this will not only be true in the present, but it will go on into the future until the day of Christ. Again, there is good reason why Paul prays this. For beyond the temptations to worship other gods in Philippi, the people, the believers, the people in Philippi were hostile to Christianity. It was here that the mag magistrates of the city had, had stripped, beaten, and then threw Paul in prison, all because he rebuked an evil spirit in a woman in the name of Jesus Christ. Such resistance remained in Philippi towards the gospel. We are told later on in, one, in Philippians 1 that many of the believers were suffering and struggling on account of their faith. But later on in the epistle, Paul tells them that there are many people who live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And with such temptations and, and the reality of suffering, surely there was always the temptation to give up striving for their moral purity. And knowing this, Paul prays for them, asking God to help them to remain pure and blameless. Not much has changed in the last 2,000 years. The world is still trying to lure believers away from truth, calling them away from moral purity and blamelessness. The world can urge us to give up our purity just for this one time. It can woo us into participating in the pleasures of this world. And if it, and if it is not urging us or, or trying to pull us away, it is mocking or condemning us. Do you really believe that a crucified man can save your soul? Do you really think that God cares about the things of this? Does God even exist in this universe? Make no mistake, beloved. Don't give in 
bought at a price. Christ really did give his life for you so that you might live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ. Through him, you died to sin. So honor God with your body so that you may live your whole life in obedience to him. And for when you do, then the day of Christ will not be a day of judgment, but a day for eagerness and anticipation, a day when God's work in your life will finally be complete. And when such purity and blamelessness is present in our lives, it means that we are filled with the fruit of righteousness. This fruit was already evident in the lives of the Philippian believers as they provided financial support for the work of the gospel. I believe the same is here today as well. The same fruit. As you support mission work in Brazil and elsewhere, that's fruit of our, of our living with Christ, of being connected to him. But this fruit of righteousness also includes other areas besides financial support. The fruit of righteousness is also evident when we learn to tame our tongues. We learn to watch our language on the job site, to refrain from gossiping and from public talking. It is evident when we spend time in prayer, when we spend time encouraging one another to remain faithful, when we take time to support the church. confidence in our hearts because these fruits of assurance, these fruits of righteousness give us assurance. Assurance that we really are God's children and that his spirit really is at work among us. But let us now be very clear. Paul is not suggesting that the Philippian believers can do this on their own. They cannot attain moral purity on their own. Nor is he suggesting that the fruits of righteousness come by their own initiative. If that were the case, Paul would have no reason to pray to God. No, these fruits of righteousness are the work of God alone. And Paul makes this clear when he adds the words that come through Jesus Christ at the end of this epistle. Their fruits of righteousness come through Jesus Christ, not themselves. On our own, we cannot produce fruits of righteousness. In and of ourselves, we are inclined to evil. But through the perfect obedience of Christ, through his righteousness, we become righteousness, righteous, and we can share the fruits of righteousness. Christ's righteousness replaces our sin and our guilt, and in him we are pure, in him we are blameless, and in him we produce fruits of righteousness. What glorious means of grace, of God working in the lives of believers. And as with the first petition, so it is with this one. It serves one purpose. It gives glory and praise to God. We have 
nothing to boast about in and of ourselves. We live, we bear fruits of righteousness, we, tr- we strive to live holy lives out of thankfulness to the work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory, all glory belongs to Him. And so amidst the busyness of this world, may Paul's prayer for the Philippians be also true of us. Today, tomorrow, and forever, may our love abound more and more with love, with a deep and personal knowledge for what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And let us pray that the Spirit may equip us to live morally pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ. And may this all be to the praise and glory of God the Father. May we all praise God from whom all blessings flow. To him be the glory and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hymn 82 to stanza 